Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport as we look back on the weekend's Premier League action and look ahead to some blockbusters in the company of Matt Holland, the former Ipswich Town and Republic of Ireland midfielder, and Alex Crook, Talk Sport's transfer guru. Karma Police, United denied penalty at the bridge four months after failing to concede one for grappling at Old Trafford. One side think it's right, the others think it's wrong. Let's call the whole thing off, because it wasn't that entertaining anyway. Uh, United, Chelsea, Leicester and West Ham all drop points in the race for the top four. So, should we just hand it to Manchester City now? All to play for at the bottom, though. Well, possibly. Brighton and Newcastle both slipped up. Fulham didn't capitalise against Crystal Palace, but they're only within three points of those two. Tottenham hot Spurs as Mourinho's men thrashed Burnley by four goals to nil. And Arsenal hunt down the Foxes. All that and more on the podcast that always looks more likely to score than Crystal Palace, the game day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. So much to get to this week. So forgive us if we jump around a little bit. Seven games in midweek to look ahead to. A glance back at some of the big issues of the weekend as well. We've got Matt Holland here. How are you? You okay? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yourself? A very good. Highlight of the weekend for you? What stood out for you? The highlight of the weekend. Cool. Wow. I was at Spurs, actually. Were you? Okay, so, so that was Gareth Bale, I guess, would be the, the standout. It was the headline team news when he was picked. And he didn't disappoint either. 68 no. seconds he scored in. And, and that's the quickest Burnley have ever conceded in the Premier League. Well, we'll reflect on that performance because it was some performance by Tottenham Hotspur, I thought. Uh, and we've got Alex Crook with us, as always. Favourite moment of the weekend for you? Uh, I don't know favourite moment, but I think one of the more interesting stories moving forward could be Leicester City going into this game week this time last season. They had exactly the same number of points as they have at the moment. They absolutely collapsed and didn't finish in the top four. Their players are dropping like flies. And I do wonder, is it happening again, Leicester fans? Ooh. Interesting. Okay, I will start by looking back at a bit of Chelsea, Manchester United and what it means going forward into their big games in midweek against Crystal Palace for Manchester United and Liverpool Chelsea on Thursday night. Coming in at the far post, it's his first ever Manchester City goal. Manchester City have racked up 20 consecutive wins. It finishes at the Etihad. Manchester City 
2, West Ham 1. Controversy here at the Hawthorns. What happened was, as though the wall was being organised, Lewis Dunk spotted this opportunity, but it appears that Lee Mason hadn't blown He's the whistle. He's given the goal. He's given the goal now. After initially refusing the goal, now VAR still cannot decide. The goal hasn't been given. I said to the ref, can I take it? He said, yes, I took it, I scored. Protests, massive protests from the bench and the players on the other side, and he's obviously caved in and changed his decision. And Algarzi fires the ball in, and Aston Villa have the lead, and where Algarzi, shown a red card on his previous visit to Allen Road, has scored the opening goal here. Ross into the area, and it's headed towards goal, and we have the equaliser, and it's headed into the back of the net by Ruben Neves. William pokes it across the face of goal, and it's turned in for 3-1 by Nicolas Pepe. And Arsenal are now firmly in control of this game. Tottenham for Burnley nil. Is Bale back, I ask you? Well, he scored two and set one up as Spurs win for just the fourth time in 14 in the Premier League. Finished Chelsea nil, Manchester United nil. I think you have to go right back to the 1920s. Uh, since both of these fixtures uh, were goalless. The inevitable is getting closer for the Blades at the bottom of the Premier League. Liverpool are looking to make it a very competitive end to their season now. Sheffield United nil, Liverpool 2. So Manchester United... Uh, in law, should probably have had a penalty in that game, but they didn't really create much and they never really looked like scoring. There was a bit more about them than there have been in previous big games this season. Chelsea don't score many goals full stop and it wasn't a great spectacle really. But Chelsea had the better of the chances with Giroud, Werner and forcing De Gea into a, a big save. Matt, what did you think overall of the game? I think you've summed it up quite nicely, if I'm honest. Um, I, I've been impressed with Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel, I was actually at his first game and quite a few people were critical when they played Wolves. And I actually thought they were very good in the game and they showed um, a good control. They've been very difficult to beat, very organised. He's now got to sort out the front area of the pitch. But actually, that's something that I'd say about Man United as well. And, that, and it's strange saying that when you think they're the top scorers in the Premier League. They look particularly in the games against the bigger boys a little bit short up front the balance of that front three isn't quite right I mean ultimately there's a gulf a massive gulf between Man City and the rest and I think that (laughs) and that and that highlighted it that game highlighted it yeah I mean Chelsea's expected goals were 1.17 uh, Manchester United's were 0.36. To put that in context, Burnley had more of a goal threat in their game at Spurs, 0.6, and lost 4-0. Um, so they, they didn't have too many opportunities, Manchester United, in the game. Um, let's ask you from a Manchester United point of view, Crook. Did you, did you see any development in the way that Solskjaer has approached bigger games? No, I think that's one area they've gone backwards in this season. His record last season against the big six was pretty impressive. Um, I think this season that defeat against Tottenham has clearly left some scars, if not on the players, then on the manager because his game plan now seems to be not to lose rather than to try and win going into these matches. And on the face of it, it's probably a better point for Manchester United than it is for Chelsea because it keeps the gap between the two teams and obviously Leicester dropping points. So United have cemented second place and we all know they're playing for second now. But 
I think Roy Keane is often on the money when it comes to United. They need to be more ambitious. They need to be braver. They need to be bolder. They need to have more belief. And that has to come from the man in the dugout. I know Bruno Fernandes has come in for a bit of stick because of his stats in these big six games. But you can't rely on one player to carry you through week in, week out. Ultimately, the players ahead of Bruno Fernandes underperformed. Again, Rashford, for all the good things he's done off the pitch, I don't think it's been his best season. Mason Greenwood has, has gone backwards. But if they're going to progress, they're going to start challenging for trophies. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to have to change his mindset going into these games. With all what you just said there, Crook, and all the problems that, that United have got, actually, you have to say there has been progress at United this season. Maybe not in the big six games, you know, but one defeat in the last 20 in the Premier League. I'm beating 20 away from home in the Premier League. They're going in the right direction. You feel as though they are going the right way about it now and they are getting closer. Yes um, and no, because if you look at this season, Liverpool have badly underperformed. Arsenal have been terrible. Chelsea have had their problems. They've changed their manager. Um, Tottenham have had an up and down season. I think all those teams will improve next season and Manchester United are going to have to improve again to cement themselves in the top four. Okay, but that said, they're playing Palace are in midweek and, and they must fancy their chances to continue their away run that stands at 20 league games away from home unbeaten because Palace's expected goals for their game today against Fulham, which ended nil-nil, was 0.09. The only one that I could find lower this month was Burnley's loss to Manchester City. But Palace were playing Fulham <laughs> at home. <laughs> I saw one Palace tweeter suggest it wasn't Roy's fault and that he's working with a limited squad and being asked to do one thing and that is just survive and he's doing that. So, okay, they've had their problems as well injury-wise. Everyone's talking about injuries at the moment and we'll get on to Leicester in just a a moment. Um, But um, Manchester United will go there on in midweek and they will believe that they will get three points and and, and arguably it'd be a massive surprise if they don't, Matt. They should get get all three points. Basically, Crystal Palace have burgled four points in the last two games. It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, mean, the Brighton one is a disgrace. I think they've I think they've faced something like forty shots. <laughs> it's just they had three attempts themselves against Fulham today, and they picked up four points. So they've they've stolen four points in in, in the last two games. Uh, well, so look, Manchester United should go there and win in midweek, and uh, they'll be expected to do that and cement their place second in the table. Of course, it is a massive week in that regard because if they do go there and win someone's got to drop points in the Chelsea-Liverpool game, which is on Thursday. Where does it leave Chelsea for the Liverpool game? Are they going to try and draw that one too? Because let's face it, you know, Wolves, Saints, Manchester United, anyone reasonably good, they control the ball and dominate the game, but they don't actually create a lot. Atletico Madrid goes down as a brilliant performance because Olivier Giroud scored a wonderful goal away in Europe, but it hasn't really exploded like a volcano, like some would like to turn around and tell you it has under Thomas Tuchel. I mean, it's been more of a bit, it's been more to me a bit like a, a slow burner. I mean, he threw everybody on at the end, every, all the attacking players he had on at the end of the game against Manchester United. He didn't really make much difference, Crook. Didn't he come out and admit that Tammy Abraham was left out of the squad? He, he, he was fully fit, but he just decided not to pick him. I mean, how, how would that I go down I Chelsea don't, fans? I don't think that's true. Right, okay. I don't think that's true. And if it is true, then they've got serious problems. I, I, I mean, there was rumours of a bereavement. There was also problems with his ankle that have been hampering him for a little while. Maybe he just needed a rest. There's, there's, there's lots of different things that could have contributed to that. I mean, if he has just left him out because 
there's going to be a problem between the two. I mean, look, we said it when he got appointed. He, he's had problems as a manager with players and owners in the past. You know, I mean, I, I'm going to say this early, but I, I'm just looking at it in a sort of trying to take myself out of it and looking at it from a sort of global view. I, I don't think Chelsea fans would like to get to the summer and see the likes of Tamori moved on, Tammy Abraham moved on, one or two of their other youngsters moved on, and all the progress that had been made in bringing that rather talented group of players through into the first team dissipated <laughs> and destroyed. You know, we've they've seen that before. You know, they bought in Kevin De Bruyne when he was a kid. They bought in Mo Salah when he was young. All of a sudden, Lukaku when he was very young. And then all of a sudden, Jose Mourinho came in and decided to, no, no, bring in the superstars. And, and they lost a generation of talent. I, I get that. I get that. But it, I mean, it, look, Mason Mount has, was left out that first game against Wolves, but has proven to the manager already that he's, he's a key component to them. If they go out and buy Haaland in the summer, and they, they're not going to be worried about losing to Maury. <laughs> that's, the, that's the bottom line. You know, Chelsea fans aren't going to be crying to sleep because they've lost tomorrow if they sign Haaland in the summer. Yeah. And it is Haaland, by the way, because uh, uh, we got a voice note from his dad the other day to tell us that it is Haaland, which is good. It's nice to get that clarity. Although when they were uh, the, the Bundesliga team actually asked Erling brought Haaland, what his name was, he said Haaland. Uh, so, yeah, what are you going to do? Uh, Liverpool beat Sheffield United and I think pleasingly got a goal from a midfielder. Rare commodities from both Chelsea and Liverpool in, in recent matches. But, Phillips and Kabak, if it is the two of them as centre-halves, would you trust them to see off even Chelsea's blunt attack, Crook? No, not necessarily. Um, I still didn't think it was a, an entirely convincing performance um, from Liverpool. Okay, they, they could have scored more goals, but for Aaron Ramsdale, who was terrific in the first half for, for Sheffield United, and I'm pleased to see that he is back to somewhere near his best now after a difficult season in general. But they still offered up a couple of opportunities that a team more prolific than Sheffield United, and it's not hard to find a team more prolific than Sheffield United, <laughs> um, would probably take. And I think the attack for me for Liverpool is still not firing. And it was interesting, Trevor Sinclair last week, talking about the dynamic and the relationship between Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. And again, I was paying close attention to those two today. They're, that Something's not quite right there. Um, and against this Chelsea team who, who have tightened up defensively, I, I'm not sure that Liverpool attack is going to be able to swap them away quite in the, the same way they, they would have done in, in previous campaigns. So I actually think Chelsea can get something out of this game, maybe even win. That would be interesting. That would be a big uh, feather in, in Thomas Tuchel's cap if he could pull that off against Jurgen Klopp on Thursday night. It is the last game of what is a huge midweek of matches. Um, lots of focus will probably be on Wolverhampton Wanderers against uh, uh, and their visit to Manchester City in midweek. I was at Manchester City West Ham on Saturday and it was a corker. have launched themselves into the upper atmosphere of the Premier League this season and they may be best placed to push Manchester City off course. Some space for Jesse Lingard edge of the City penalty here, right foot his shot takes a deflection, Suchek with a header Antonio goes for goal, goalkeepers come out, the ball's run loose inside the six yard box Lingard with a strike, it's blocked left footed cross towards the far post, what a header that is for Ruben Diaz coming in at the far post and heading it beyond Darren Randolph in towards four now, misses it comes to Antonio inside the area, shoots and it's wide. 
What a chance for West Ham. In towards Jesse Lingard and it's stolen on the line by Antonio. Jesse Lingard had a big part in it. De Bruyne got there ahead of Diop who overcommitted. He's galloped clear into the West Ham half. Down the left side. Pulls it through into an open six-yard box. It's missed by Aguero and runs right through. Mares in the right wing position. He twists, he turns, he lays it back to John Stones. What a goal! And what a finish from John Stones, the centre-half. Absolutely brilliant feat from Riyad Mahrez. It's all about Riyad Mahrez, this. Space for Jesse Lingard. His cross is a little bit better. Diop's header, and Suchek can't reach it at the far post. It finishes at the Etihad. Manchester City 2, West Ham 1. West Ham really caused some issues for Manchester City in that game, Matt. John Stones and Ruben Diaz been lauded uh, for uh, keeping clean sheets and, and stopping goals at the other end, but scoring them uh, for Manchester City this weekend. I mean, 20 games straight, winning relentlessly. Who can stop them? Nobody. Not in the Premier League. I don't see it. I mean, they've won the Premier League. We're just giving the title now. Are they going to win every game between now and the end of the season, it, do you think? No, they won't. In a one-off game, someone will beat them at some stage. They're not going to win every single game. You think they're coming to a good moment with Aguero coming back. De Bruyne was back. I think they'll win the League Cup. I expect them to beat Spurs. But on, in a one-off game, you never know. The Champions League is the holy grail and it's the one that he wants to win. I'm, I'm sure he'd be absolutely desperate to do that. Um, and they'll be favourites for that as well. Is it disappointing in a way that after having such a, a a load of optimism that we were going to have this really tight title race, that actually it's developed into the same old, same old, one team has ended up running away with it. In fact, when you go back over the last few years, pretty much we've known who the champions are going to be in, in almost four of the last five years by the time we've got to this stage. I think also the fact that Manchester City have done it without playing a recognised striker for much of the season probably again highlights that lack of quality in the Premier League this season. The fact so many of the big clubs are, are not living up to their hype and, and living up to their billing. You say that though, but in, in, in Europe, I mean, the Premier League teams look a cut above everybody else, don't they? Yeah, but a lot of the, the, the powerhouses in the major European leagues are, are not at their best either. It's, it's a strange season uh, for all the reasons we've discussed with, with COVID, with no fans, with a congested fixture schedule. I do think there'll be a small asterisk next to anybody who achieves anything this season. Um, I'm going to disagree with Matt slightly when it comes to the Champions League, and here's why. Um, Manchester City, not brilliant against West Ham, not firing, relied on their two central defenders to score the goals. And the fact I'm saying, I don't think this is a particularly good Premier League quality-wise. I do worry that Manchester City are winning games in first gear. So when they get to the latest stage in the Champions League, is it going to be a problem similar to what we've seen from Bayern Munich when they've been dominating the Bundesliga? When they come up against a Bayern or a Paris Saint-Germain, are Manchester City suddenly going to be able to click from first gear into top gear, they're going to need to beat those sides. That would be a little question mark when it comes to the quadruple for me. You know, I think the other problem that we've got is and I think we're going to see this going forward and we're just about to talk about them now is that some of the challenges that are up there and let's talk about West Ham here you know West Ham went into this game their goalkeeper picked up an injury I looked at their bench they had five outfield players on their bench and one of those was 19 
you know, for the bigger juggernaut squads like Chelsea, like Manchester United, like Manchester City, like Liverpool, well, actually not Liverpool because they haven't really got one, um, but, but, but like those three teams, they can put out 11 players and then they can have nine great players on the bench. Leicester City, they've got players dropping like flies. If West Ham lose Craig Dawson and Mikel Antonio or Jesse Lingard, then their challenge for the top four is over. Um, so I think that this, and this season has, has highlighted that more because we've had an exponential growth in the number of injuries. Yeah, squad depth is, is played a massive part in it. The ability to make six, seven, eight changes and not be affected. You only have to look at Man City's bench and, and it tells you everything you need to know. Yeah. The, the, the strength that they've got in reserve is, is ridiculous. Um, the games are coming thick and fast. And when that happens, ultimately, you're going to get injuries. Inevitably, you're going to get injuries. But, but Man City have got the, the squad where they can take five or six players out and it makes not a jot of difference. And I, I also think that's one of the reasons why predicting what happens in the league, apart from now we know that Manchester City are powered to a point where they're obviously going to, to go and win the league. They're 12 points clear. You know, that, that's probably without question. But any other major predictions can, can be made to look foolish because so much can happen so quickly to those, especially to those sides with not very big squads. I mean, Crook is, it wants to talk about Leicester and we'll go, to go there in just a second, but they could quite easily go on a, a terrible run now. West Ham, similarly, I watched West Ham. I thought they were brilliant. They're really well coached. They um, created opportunities that others haven't against Manchester City. They haven't got a midweek game this week, which is good for them because I've spoke to their coaching staff. It's been relentless. It's been tough for them too. But if they lose players, it's a, their charge very quickly can 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 fall apart and they've got some tough games coming up actually over the next few weeks which will probably give us a greater indication as to where they're going to be Crook. Yeah but every time we've said that about West Ham and we said it after they lost to Newcastle on the first day of the season they weren't going to get another point for six or seven <laughs> matches and actually they played really well um, in those games and, and, and took confidence from it so I don't think these games will hold any fears now for West Ham. Their most difficult fixture is out the way against Manchester City. They were certainly not disgraced. And actually, I think they'll take confidence and belief from the performance that they are genuine contenders for the top four. 12 games to go. They're not there by fluke. And it's a free hit for them. And I've used this to describe other teams at the bottom. It's a free hit for Fulham because they started so badly and there's more pressure on Newcastle and Brighton being sucked in. Exactly the same for West Ham. There's pressure for Liverpool. They have to finish in the top four. Manchester United have to finish in the top four. Leicester really have to finish in the top four. West Ham don't. David Moyes has said that as well, hasn't he? he he's, he's trying to take the pressure away from his team by saying, oh, well, we're, we're not really in the race for Europe. We, we know, if we finish in the top six, great. And he's trying to you know, deflect the pressure away from the players. Um, but they are in it and, and they're able to adapt. You know, they will change their system, their formation when needed, mm -hmm. as they did at City, going to a yeah. back three. Uh, they've got pace on the counter. Lingard's made a big difference. His, his, his fitness levels are, have been remarkable. Terrific. Really. For, for someone who's not played a lot of football, to, to come in and do what he's done has, has been exceptional. Um, they've got the likes of Jared Bowen, who was on the bench at, at City. You know, they have got a, the ability to go from defence to attack very quickly. And Antonio does a good job of holding the ball up as well. Um, so they're a team that can adapt and, and they're, they are in it. I think ultimately they will fall short. But David Moyes is, is trying to take that pressure off his team. Um, West Ham not playing in midweek, but uh, Manchester City are. They're playing against uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers. They drew with Newcastle away from home, 1-1. Um, 
I mean, I think Crook, you were you, you were quite happy with the way that Newcastle played. I think you tweeted out suggesting that they would they'd stay up, no problems. It was it would be all okay for them. I must admit, there were I understand there were points in that game where some of the players were a little bit confused over who was supposed to be playing where for Newcastle. And there was a, a moment where Jacob Murphy was about to come onto the pitch and Jamal LaSalle wasn't too happy that uh, the staff hadn't got him ready enough when there was an injury or something. There seems to be a bit of a disconnect between the playing staff and the, and, and the staff there. Yeah, they're, they're almost running the shot themselves, aren't they, when, when you look at those scenes. Yeah. I think Graham Jones is having a big influence as well. But, I mean, I thought Sam Massimam was absolutely sensational for the first hour in that game and, and should be playing his trade at a much higher level. I'm sure if he can stay fit, then clubs higher up the Premier League food chain will certainly have him on their radar. But I still maintain that Newcastle will, will have enough quality to pick up the number of points they need to stay up. And obviously, we'll talk about Fulham later. I didn't expect them to win at Crystal Palace. I do think we're getting a bit carried away um, by Fulham. Yes, they've improved defensively. They're harder to beat, but they still don't score any goals. And they've got a really difficult run of games coming up. So I think Newcastle will be okay. Do I think Steve Bruce will be the manager next season? Do I think Steve Bruce would still be the manager now if St. James's Park was full? Probably the answer to both of those questions is no. Wolverhampton Wanderers were their opponents. What did you think of them, Matt? Because um, they, they, they seem to come alive in the second half of matches, slumber through the first 45 and then get better as time goes on. Yeah, that's not that's not anything new, is it, with, no. with Wolves? Um, I, I'm a big fan of Pedro Neto. You know, he, he, uh, Crookie's talked there about St. Maximan and he, he could play at a much higher level. Pedro Neto, the same in, in my book as well. I mean, he's, he's still, what, only 20? Yeah, he's still a young player. And uh, he's, he's, he creates a lot of opportunities, doesn't he? He came very close to scoring himself, didn't he, before helping set up the goal ridiculously talented player and he's, he's someone that if I was one of the bigger boys thinking he's, there's a lot of development a lot of growth that he, he'd be one I'd go for a little bit like Diogo Jota actually he was someone I, I was sort of for two years thinking someone will take him someone will take him eventually obviously Liverpool took the plunge Neto's in that boat right, right now um, Dubravka will feel he should have done better for the goal the Neves Neves header um, but he did make up for it with an unbelievable save late on from from Silver. So, he, um, yeah, Wolves Wolves will be absolutely fine. Of course, they will. They've tried to they've tried to change this season. He's tried to try to go to a back four. He's tried to sort of kick on. He's he's tried to work away, but he's done it without Raúl Jiménez, and mm. and that's the big big loss for them this season. It's been it's been you know really difficult for him to 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 try and work it without him. And um, the sooner he can get back fit, the better. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Leicester coming forward now on the far side, a deep run into the penalty area, and the low shot is a wonderful goal from Yuri Tielemans. He was given so much room, and he made Arsenal pay, and Leicester's European hangover has been a very short one. Very quickly in this game, they lead Arsenal by a goal to nil. Pepe runs over it, Willian again dinks it in, and the header from David Luiz is a brilliant equaliser for Arsenal. David Luiz arriving late inside the penalty area, and that's a fantastic header from the central defender, often maligned, but he's come up with the equalising goal here. It's Leicester 1, Arsenal 1. Wide to Pepe, left-hand side of the penalty area, comes in, Phil goes for a curler, it seemed to strike the hand of Ndidi, a low cross in from Cedric Suarez, and Mikel Arteta is absolutely furious, he believes his team should have a penalty, and it's a penalty. Lacazette against Schmeichel, and he makes absolutely no mistake, Schmeichel goes the wrong way, low into the near corner from Alexandra Lacazette right footed, and Arsenal having been 1-0 down, are now 2-1 up. Xhaka plays it wide towards Pepe for Arsenal, who cuts in field towards the edge of the penalty area, Odegaard is in there, so too is Lacazette, William pokes it across the face of goal, and it's turned in for 3-1, by Nicolas Pepe. But the full-time whistle goes. Arsenal have won by three goals to one. And this, a very, very gloomy day for the Foxes. Leicester 1, Arsenal 3. Leicester started relatively brightly, actually. Um, but this was a game of dreadful defending. The Leicester goal that uh, Yuri Tillemans scored was abysmal. Pablo Mari deciding that rather than engage with Tillemans, he would just stand about as far away as he could possibly get himself. Um, and all three Arsenal goals were entirely avoidable, Matt. Yeah, I, Mari and Elneny, really. I mean, but both ran away from the ball for that, for that Tillemans goal. Um, couldn't quite believe what was going on when I was watching it. I was thinking, someone engage him, someone engage him. Please go and close him down. No, don't worry about it. And uh, and they found themselves a goal behind. But actually, Arsenal, I thought, dominated the game. Actually, uh, and after that, and after that goal, took control. And that's despite the the selection from Mikel Arteta. You know, he clearly went stronger for the Europa League game than he did for the for the Leicester match, leaving Saka and Aubameyang on the bench clearly showing where his priorities lie this season. If yes. they are going to qualify yeah. for Europe, it's going to be winning the Europa League. It's, well, that's how it would appear anyway. So his intentions were made pretty clear with his selections for the game on Thursday and then this one. Um, but actually, I thought I thought for large parts of it, Arsenal controlled it and deserved the win. Um, Leicester City have had their problems with injuries all season, haven't they? But they've lost Dennis Pratt, Iosi Perez, Wesley Fofana, Jamie Vardy's had his problems. He's, he had a calf issue uh, today, didn't he? I mean, he says he's fine for the rest of the game, but 
he's still got a bit of an issue. James Justin, we know about. Madison's going to be out for a little while. Harvey Barnes picked up uh, an injury that looks as if he's going to be out for six or seven weeks. Johnny Evans came off in that match. He's been managing a calf issue for a bit of time anyway. Uh, Wes Morgan's even got a, a lower back problem, uh, which is uh, causing him issues. I mean, they've really been hit hard by injuries. I know that Liverpool have had the most uh, number of games missed by players, uh, if you if you add it up statistically over the course of the season. But Leicester are on that list too. But I think they're going to hurt Leicester going forward more than they've maybe hurt Liverpool even because it's it's such a crucial area of the pitch in which they've lost key players. Yeah, and, and I do wonder as well, as much as the physical scars of, of this season have the mental scars of what happened in the second half of last season properly healed and there will have been players coming off that pitch. As, as Matt said, I, I was worried for Arsenal when I saw the team sheet and the changes that Mikel Arteta had made and even more so when they went, went behind after six minutes, but they, they came back really well and there was only ever one winner. And what would worry me is Leicester visibly deflated from conceding those two quick-fire goals at the end of the second half, never recovered from that mentally. We're never really in the game um, in the second half and Arsenal coasted to the points. And as I say, I do wonder, a lot of those players were there last season when they fell away and, and missed out on a place in the top four in the last day of the season. They'll be thinking, and, and Matt will know this, players do think like this, here we go again. And, and yeah, their body language suggested that. It's so I, wrong, really, really, because you looked at that team sheet, they, they should get something out of this game. They, you know, Leicester should have been the favourites for that match because the personnel that they had on the field of play, comparatively, when you look at how Arsenal have been performing without Bakayu Saka in the team, I mean, it was a, a very strange set of circumstances. But I suppose what happens next is key for Leicester City. They go to Burnley, who have just been whacked. And we'll talk about their game with uh, Tottenham in just a moment. But they they need to go to Turf more and pick up three points. Otherwise, people are, the doubts are going to... Uh, maybe the doubts have already crept in, but the doubts are going yeah. to start taking root, aren't they? Yeah, actually, I mean, I think they've been a bit better away from home than they have at home. I mean, well, they've lost, Massively they've, better away from home. They, they've lost six games now at home in the Premier League, which, you know, is, is a bit of a surprise. And then obviously lost to Slavia Prague in the Europa League as well. So it's been a, a really tough week. And at home, it was they have a poor struggled. performance as well. Yeah. Um, so That's I think they have been better. It is important they respond. You know, Crook is right. You know, it, it does play on your mind. If you've, if you've got a bad experience and you, and you could be scarred from what happened last season, there's certain grounds and certain players, certain teams that you come up against as an individual. You know, you think, oh, I might have a good day today or you might think, well, I've not had a good record against them. And that can play on your, on, on, on your mind. And I think Leicester are in that boat right now. So it's important that they respond to that defeat and, and do it quickly. And no better opportunity, I think, than Burnley away after their result. Brendan Rodgers as well. We're talking about people who've had bad experiences at the end of seasons. Liverpool should have won the league under him, didn't. Leicester should have qualified qualify for the top four last season, didn't. I think it's five times now he's gone out in the Europa League at the, at the round 16, of 32. Yeah. So there will be some people who might be questioning whether Brendan Rodgers himself is someone who chokes when the pressure is on. I know you'll, you'll point to his Celtic record and what he did there, but anybody can do that. Maybe not Neil Lennon. <laughs> Even Crookie. <laughs> um, Neil Lennon just sitting at home on his own listening to this podcast is sitting there thinking, except for me. Um, <laughs> what a vision. Uh, Spurs absolutely thwacked Burnley 4-0. Now, I watched the West Ham Spurs game last week 
And I thought Spurs were brilliant once they went 2-0 down. They sort of continued that swashbuckling, eager-to-score mentality, handbrake off against Burnley right from the very off. Obviously helped out by the fact that there was that odd first goal where Nick Pope seemed to not realise that Gareth Bale was going to go for the ball. I think he thought it was going through to Harry Kane. Maybe he just thought Gareth Bale doesn't play football anymore, so I don't have to worry about him. But actually, Gareth Bale did an, a brilliant performance and reminded us all just how classy he is, Matt. Do you know what? It was, it, it was really good to see. Really enjoyable to watch. But I think, I think the Spurs fans, in fact, all football fans, have been looking forward to seeing Kane, Son and Bale yeah. in the it's same really, team. I, I, even but, I wanted to see them play together. I think this is only the second time that it's happened. And I, I, in all competitions, that they've all started the same game. Mm. Um, adding Lucas Moura and that front four were unstoppable. Gareth Bale didn't stay out on the right-hand side. He kept drifting in infield. Harry Kane, we know, has been so clever this season in drifting deeper into difficult areas for centre-halves, whether they go tight with him or, or whether they, they leave one of the midfield players to deal with him. Every single player found space. Son's runs were difficult to pick up from out to in. Lucas Moura was busy and, and you know buzzed around the pitch. It was really good to see Tottenham. I'll tell you what was really good to see about Tottenham as well. Going two goals up and not sitting back and going, oh, yes. that's it. We've done, we've done the job. We've got our two, two goals. We're going to so win this 2-0. We'll, we'll, we'll have 70% of the ball. We'll keep the ball. We'll keep the ball. We'll keep the ball. And that's it. Our job's done. It How much nice do you think that is down to the, the fact that he's foot. been scarred by the criticism that he's been receiving because his sort of mode of operating has been so pragmatic? It was nice. It was just, it was just, good, to, it was just good to watch them play front foot football for 90 minutes. Yes, I agree with you. I wonder if in a way that second half against West Ham was a bit um, of a watershed moment, uh, much in the same way that it was when they conceded the late goals in the first game against West Ham, because that was when he went back to being the, the pragmatist, the ultra defensive coach, because he was worried uh, that they were conceding too many goals. He saw against West Ham, actually, Gareth Bale does add something to this team. And if I take the handbrake off, we have some very good attacking players. I wonder if it might be a change of tack now for Spurs for the rest of the season. And Jose realising that maybe because we're not particularly good defensively, our best form of defence is attack. Crook, they take on Fulham. You said don't get too excited about Fulham. Fulham were much the better team against Crystal Palace today. They had uh, so many opportunities to score. Again, they've done a bit of a Brighton. In fact, they've missed key opportunities. Guaita's made a couple of good saves as well. They deserve the points in that match. Uh, but didn't get them. Um, obviously, they're running out of time and games going forward. Can they cause uh, Jose a headache? Possibly. Um, but I described this on Thursday's pod as the biggest game of the season in terms of the relegation battle. I think if Fulham had won it... The, the, the Fulham would really Palace be- game, you did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. if Fulham had won that game, that the win would really have been behind them. Newcastle and Brighton would be getting very nervous, but they didn't win the game. They dominated the game, but they didn't score... You still can't see where the goals are coming from. Obviously, Josh Madger did very well against Everton. Not seen much from him since. Mitrovic can't stay fit. Lookman and Loftus-Cheek are very good to a point, but are not clinical enough in, in front of goal. Yeah, Lookman had one difficult chance towards the end of the game where he thrashed at a volley, which came through to him. And it, 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 I mean, it might look closer than it was. He just didn't catch it right. It's a difficult skill to perform. But that all said, Crook, you know, if the last day of the season was tomorrow, we would be in a situation where... 
any of Brighton, Newcastle and Fulham could still go down. About four weeks ago, Crook, everyone said the bottom three is done. Yep. Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham, they're going down. Fulham actually have been a, a much harder team to play against. I think they've drawn 10 of the last 15 matches and, and they look like they're going to pick points up. Every time they play now, they look like they can pick up points. That gap was 10 points to Newcastle. It's now three. They've dragged Brighton into it with their last couple of results. Burnley aren't out of it by any stretch of the imagination. You'd probably say Southampton on 30 will have enough, but their form hasn't been great. They were looking at, at, at trying to just get themselves into contention at one stage. Now they've got three teams above them that they feel like they can catch. Also, if Fulham were to draw every single game between now and the end of the season, they would stay up uh, because, and then that's not beyond the realms of possibility because that's what they've been doing habitually for the last 15 games. And so 12 points, they got 12 more points, that'd be 35. I mean, you wouldn't, but wouldn't make it likely that Brighton and Newcastle get 35. Historically, that doesn't usually happen. I don't think they'll get 35 points. Uh, basically, it's because they gave themselves too much to do. They've been playing catch-up. They need to get at least a point from every game, really. They've got Tottenham. Uh, this is the game we're looking at on Thursday. I think they'll lose that. Then they go to Anfield next Sunday. Manchester City at home. Leeds at home. Leeds, very good away. Uh, then they go to Villa. Wolves at home. Wolves are improving. Arsenal away. Chelsea away in a West London derby. Burnley they could beat. But, Southampton, but, but they've surely got 2020 Man United and, and then Newcastle. Sport, you don't try to predict everything going forward. Anything can change and anything can happen. There's absolutely no way Crookie can be as certain and as sure in his convictions that Fulham are going to go down. Honestly, I, I can't believe he's saying that. You can go through all those fixtures. You've just gone through all those fixtures that Fulham have got. Go through the fixtures that Brighton have got. Go through the fixtures that Newcastle have got and tell me where they're going to pick up their wins as well. I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Actually, Fulham were the better side when they drew with Spurs um, just over uh, just after Christmas. I, I Honestly, I, I wouldn't rule top, uh, Fulham out of staying up yet. I, I, I think they've got a really good chance of doing it. They give themselves a great opportunity. There's real confidence about the place. They're going into matches feeling as though they can pick a result up now in every single game. I wouldn't be ruling them out. No, I, I wouldn't rule them out either. And also looking at the, 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 the discontent in Newcastle and the fact that Brighton, even when they're giving two penalties, still can't score a goal. Um, it, I mean, it's, just, it's a recipe for drama going into the last few weeks of the season. And also, Crook, don't ruin our fun. The fact is, is that Manchester City have already won the title. Right? We've given you that. Even though you told us that Manchester City wouldn't mount a comeback and there was no way that Pep Guardiola... You actually said Pep Guardiola is not the, the Pep Guardiola of old and Manchester City aren't the Manchester City of old. But they've proved that they have. That was earlier in the season. Um, we, we want a bit of fun at the bottom of the table. We want to, we want to hope that there's some twist in the tail yet. Um, even if it's only for a couple of weeks. Now, this is where we usually do our trending section. So let's have a little bit of uh, Crookie's music. Yeah, I've got a couple of bits um, for you. We're going to come on to Wayne Rooney and his cameo on Darren Bent's boot room on TalkSport on Sunday night. But let's talk, first of all, about a potential goal of the year contender. And not from a, a usual source, Um Eliza Sam, you may not have heard the name before this weekend. He scored a brace to help Notts County beat Oxford City in the FA Vars over the weekend. And one of those goals is being touted as a possible contender for the historic Puskas Award. I don't know if you guys have seen this. They play in the in the uh, 
Conference South um, do Oxford City, but Notts County, obviously, in the Conference Premier, the National League. Hands down, the best goal I've ever seen. But for the uh, for the folks out there who may not have seen it, a cross came into the penalty area. It was behind um, Eliza Sam. He flicked out his foot to backheel the ball over himself and the goalkeeper and into the net. And it was a sort of Cantonares celebration at the end as well. I mean, this is, at any level, incredible. It's absolutely sensational. It's breathtaking at that level of football to come up with that. It, it is a fantastic goal. I'm not sure it's the best goal I've ever seen. Keep looking at it, Matt. Keep looking at it. I'm watching it. I'm watching you'll, it. You'll convince yourself after, after a while. Keeper should have saved it. <laughs> oh, come on. What a pendant. Seriously. Oh, dear. What's the keeper doing? Do you say what a pendant or what a pedant? What one did you mean? <laughs> I meant pedant. <laughs> Is that Matt Holland pendant that we walk around with? <laughs> yeah. Well, Eliza Sam's just got a pendant for goal of the season. Yeah, I think he you might, might be right. Uh, what else you got? Well, on the subject of uh, Puskas Awards, uh, Wayne Rooney was once nominated back in 2011 for his overhead kick for Manchester United against Manchester City. He was on the boot room uh, with Darren Bent on Sunday. Great interview to former England teammate. Uh, and during the course of that interview, he said that he played a role in designing the famous, the iconic Nike Total 90s boots. Not only that, that he managed to squeeze into a pair uh, designed for him nine years later. Um, so that's well worth a listen. To, to be fair, I played a, a big role in, in them. I, I flew out to Portland in the States quite a few times to help with the design of the boot. So I was quite selfish in, in I thought, really wide feet. So <laughs> I made sure they were a little bit wider than I think with the other ones, the Vapors and stuff like that. I couldn't wear them, but I made sure they were a little bit wider so they, they suited my foot. But they, they're by far the favourite boots. Um, I've worn obviously I've worn a few different ones. I wore specialities when I was younger at Everton and, and when I first broke into the England team. But the the total nineties, I wore I wore them against Arsenal when I went back to Everton. The old ones, so they were like ten years old, and they were they were that good. Uh, it showed that I could still wear the boots ten years or eight years, whatever it was after they were originally made for me. The interesting thing about that was when he turned around and said, uh, I was a bit selfish when I was designing that boot because my feet are, are extra wide. So there's a little bit of extra room on the sides in those boots because I wanted to make them better for me. Do you know what? He spoke really well, though. We know a lot about Wayne Rooney, the player. I think we know a bit more about Wayne Rooney, the manager, um, yeah, from that great. interview. And, and he spoke like a seasoned manager. He surprised me, um, to be honest. Um, just, just how managerial he was. I, I work quite a bit with Leroy Rossinia and of course Liam is at the football club um, and so I get little snippets about Wayne and Liam has been very, very complimentary, highly complimentary about the work that Wayne's doing and what he's done since he's arrived at the club and he's made decisions that Liam wouldn't necessarily have seen, wouldn't have, wouldn't have dreamt of making. Um, so he, I think he's been a little bit surprised at the quality of Wayne Rooney's um, abilities as a manager as well. I think he gave it away in the uh, Sunday Times column that he started doing, just how well he reads the game and how much he'd been studying. I, I, I'm not surprised it's gone well for him. I'm a bit surprised it's gone as well. If he had taken over, well, since he's taken over, if you just include the results in the championship since that day, they would be seventh right now, which is some, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing turnaround. Um, but talking of managers that aren't as popular as Wayne Rooney... 
Yep, we spoke about this on the boot room as well, right at the end of the program. Um, Paul Lambert sacked by Ipswich. It's been rumoured, hasn't it, for a couple of days. There's going to be a takeover. Matt, your old club, an American consortium coming in. They've lined up Paul Cook, by all accounts. I think that'd be a great appointment. I saw him at Portsmouth uh, take them into League One. Is he someone that you think would fit Ipswich? I think, in fairness, it shows how big a club Ipswich are. Because I know up until this point, Paul Cook has been saving himself for a championship job. So if he's even willing to entertain going to Portman Road, I think in, in some ways that speaks volumes. Yeah, this news has obviously not not been too long broken. And I've got a message here from Adrian Durham saying, come on, Skipper, step up. Yep. Come you on, Skipper. It? Step it's up. It's no, your turn. No, I, I, I applied for the job or I, I sort of made my interest known for the job um, when Paul Jewell left however long that was I think my time's passed for, for management um, in terms of the takeover it's something I've heard about for a few weeks now and well, it looks like it's happening doesn't it I think Michael Appleton was high in the frame for the job he's just signed a new four year deal at Lincoln uh, Paul Cook I think would be a terrific appointment and I think he'd do, do a really good job so it'd be, interesting, it'd be an interesting couple of weeks at, at Ipswich and see what happens now Okay, a couple of other games to look forward to this week. Uh, Sheffield United take on Aston Villa in midweek. Uh, West Bromwich Albion uh, play Everton. Uh, West Brom beat Brighton by a goal to nil. We had the bit of VAR controversy earlier, which we didn't really go into because I think by the time you listen to this podcast, everybody's poured all over it uh, with the Stuart Atwell decision at uh, Chelsea. But uh, Lee Mason has had another aberration of a weekend um, uh, whereby he uh, seemingly told Lewis Dunk he could take a free kick quickly, blew his whistle, then thought, oh, no, hold on a second. No, don't do that. Quickly blew it before the ball went in the net and Brighton could have had an equaliser. Look, Brighton didn't lose this game because Lee Mason made a terrible decision. Brighton lost this game because they missed two penalties, ultimately, and that is something that they need to sort out. But for West Brom... You know, this is a big upturn in results, isn't it? You know, they win this one. Can can they win a couple now and, and drag themselves back closer to Fulham and Newcastle? Or, or is it just sort of forced dawn? <laughs> Sorry, there's some straws over there. I can clutch at those as well. Listen, if I'm writing off Fulham in terms of staying up, I'm definitely writing off West Brom and Sheffield United, aren't I? <laughs> uh, I mean, it. they've got no chance of that. I think Big Sam expected to have more of an impact and more of an upturn than he has. And let's be honest, the only reason they beat Brighton was because Brighton can't finish their dinner at the moment. I mean, if they went on a clay pigeon shoot, Brighton, I'd fancy the clay pigeon at this moment in time. I really would. It's dreadful in front of goal, aren't they? Great great stat on West Brom for you. Their last five Premier League wins at home, five different managers. (laughs) (laughs) That's almost as good as the Brighton stat that uh, Crookie somehow came up with after reading it on Opta um, that um, the last three home wins had come in three different years. Yeah, that was good as well. That was good. Um, Look, West Brom, back-to-back clean sheets, gives them a chance if they're going to do that. It's something that we expected to happen as soon as Sam came in, that they'd start keeping clean sheets or certainly better defensively. Um, And another thing that we expected from Big Sam was that they'd be pretty good at set pieces. Well, half their goals since... He's taken charge. Have been yes. set pieces. I'm, I'm still of the opinion, as crooky is, that West Brom won't have enough to stay up. They were fortunate to, to get the three points against Brighton. Don't see them beating Everton. Uh, yeah, and Everton 
probably better away from home than they are at home, as Carlo Ancelotti repeatedly tells me whenever I see him. Um, and I mean, I think he's done a, a very good job, Carlo Ancelotti, with the, the resources that he has at uh, Everton. And I expect them to get better and better. Of course, I've had a bit of a shot in the arm this week with the uh, plans for Bramley Moore Dock being approved. That stadium looks iconic. It looks, it's massive. It's great for them because they've got a big season ticket waiting list. Goodison Park is fantastic, but they do need to move if they want to progress as a club. They seem to be going in the right direction. I hope Carlo Ancelotti is kept there and, and he's able to sort of guide them towards that uh, because he, he's, a, he's a brilliant figure to be around. He's, he, he makes you feel good just talking to him. and I can imagine what it, it must be like to play underneath him. Um, interesting game for uh, Sheffield United and Aston Villa. Obviously, Sheffield United are just waiting their time out in the Premier League. But Aston Villa, who haven't had a particularly great run, picked up uh, three points with a 1-0 victory at the weekend. And, you know, they, they've got two games over the likes of Liverpool and Chelsea and West Ham. If they were to win those two games, they would be in fourth position above all of those teams in the table. They were good against Leeds, took the early initiative and, and, and never really gave Leeds a foothold back into the game. And I think it will do their confidence the world of good. They've managed to win that match, not just without Jack Grealish, but without Matty Cash as well. He made some changes, took out um, Ross Barkley, which I think had been coming because he's played a lot of football this season, more than he is used to. He probably needed a break. And as you say, they, they've got games in hand. I don't see them as top four contenders, but I do think they have the players to, to challenge they are for a European place. Contenders. They are top four contenders. You, you might not see them that way, but they are. Because in yeah, terms of four points per game, they're Villa. the fourth best team in the country. There, there'll be four better teams that, than, than Aston Villa. But they should win this game. Um, Sheffield United, at the moment, still level on points with that Derby team that only got 11 in an entire season. So Chris Wilder will be keen to get that one extra point and, and avoid that piece of history. They, they gave a good account of themselves against Liverpool, but I've already mentioned that Ramsdale kept them in it. I mean, ultimately, yeah. Sheffield United have just not been good enough over the course of the season. But still, the most bizarre signing is Rian Brewster because he's, he's on the books, the worst team in the division, and he can't get on the pitch. And yet, you, you think now, Matt, that actually, if he had stayed at Liverpool, the likelihood is they would have had to be, well, they would have been forced into using him at some point over the course of the season. He, he probably would have played more. Um, crikey. Diogo Jota being injured as well. Mind you, I'll say that Origi's hardly featured, and it, you know if, if yeah, that's going to make changes. He hasn't scored since coming off the bench as the Champions League final of two thousand and nineteen, and and all the changes that they make generally aren't the front three that get swapped. It's it's Mane, Firmino, and Salah most weeks as well. They haven't been particularly so. good though, have they? I mean, if they did have a little a bit of competition or at least someone who could come and take the burden off them. They might well, be able to have a bit of a rest. Yeah, but that's why Jota was so good at the start of the season because yeah. there was a bit of competition and that's where, you know, the, well, I'm not sure that Brewster would have been pushing as much as, as Diego Jota. So no. I, 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 I'm not sure even if you imagine saying to Salah, sorry, I'm not the, I'm not playing you this week. Cause um, yeah, you've yeah, had a couple of games where you're not being quite at it. I'm going to play Rian Brewster. I don't think, I don't think that go down too well. Not on current form anyway, that is for sure. Sheffield United against uh, Aston Villa completes the week of midweek fixtures. It is going to be an unbelievable week of midweek fixtures as well with key matches at the top and the bottom. Uh, we'll be back on Friday morning. Yes, Friday morning uh, when we review all of the midweek games and look ahead to what is going to be another mammoth weekend of action because it all finishes on Thursday night and then within 24 hours, in fact, 
maybe 36. It starts all over again. That is the relentless nature of this Premier League season. That is why Pep Guardiola said to me, it's too much, it's too much, but we have to keep going. And boy, have they kept going. Uh, thanks to uh, Matt Holland and to Alex Crook. We are back with Darren Lewis, uh, who's with us on Friday. Uh, make sure you subscribe, download, and tell all your friends about the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Britain feels broken, but how do we fix it? Westminster just doesn't seem to have the answers, but we have found some people who do. Join me, journalist Becca Hudson. And me, the former MP Ed Vasey, for How I'd Fix. From the price of a pint to the housing crisis, this is the show where we take an alternative look at the problems plaguing the nation. And hear practical solutions from those in the know. Catch new episodes of How I'd Fix wherever you get your podcasts. Rebuilding Britain starts here.